Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. To find information about the bridge, including service times and directions, check out thebridgeportage.org. We hope the following message inspires you to be one, make one. And I'm excited to be with you all here today to start off our series of our Old Testament heroes. And really, it's about ordinary people doing what God told them to do. And so we are going to press into that over the next few weeks. There's going to be four different stories that you all will get to hear about. And I'm excited because I get to share with you a little bit about Ruth. I first did an in-depth study of Ruth about 11 years ago, and that was the first time I'd ever done an in-depth study of an Old Testament book. And I learned a lot about Ruth and the characters of Ruth, but I realized there was so much more to learn. And so 10 years later, another in-depth study on the story of Ruth and also a biblical interpretation class, I've continued to learn and I realize that there is even so much more to learn. And so how to compact that into 20 minutes when I can talk days and days and days about Ruth. But I won't um, because it's an all-family service and I know our kids just have a little bit of attention span. So Let me just share with you a little bit about what we're going to do today. High-level overview, um, we're going to go through just a historical look, a little bit more in-depth background on the story of Ruth, and then we're going to focus on God's character because I want you all, by the end of today's message, to be encouraged when you see how God has worked through this story, to be encouraged because God is with us when we are working and doing what maybe we might consider to be the mundane. God is with us when we might feel overlooked. And God is with us when we are faithful and obedient. And so if you have your Bibles, we are going to be in this study of Ruth. But let me just give you all a little bit more detail about the history leading up to where we're going to be exploring in the Bible. You heard in the story that Dean read that Naomi was married. And She and her husband and two sons moved to Moab. They were living in Bethlehem, moved to a city or a country, actually, that God would not have wanted them to move. Moab territory was considered to be a pagan world where they were the enemies of where they were moving from. But there was a famine in Bethlehem. And so Naomi and her husband and two sons moved to Moab to escape the famine. If you flip on over on the back side of your message notes, you'll see a family tree to kind of guide you through who's who in the book of Ruth. You'll notice that Ruth's husband dies. Her two sons then marry Moabite women. Again, something that God told the Israelites not to do. Do not marry people of another country. Ten years later, after the sons married Moabite women, the son, both sons die. So it just leaves Ruth with her two daughter-in-laws. It's a pretty hopeless situation. Ruth decides to stick with Naomi. Naomi made the decision because she heard that God had relieved the famine in Bethlehem and she was going to return back to her family in Bethlehem. Originally, the two daughter-in-laws, Ruth being one of them, was going to go. Naomi convinced her daughter-in-law, or one of them, to stay. They would have better luck staying in the land of Moabite, Moab 
being able to find another husband to then be able to take care of them. Halfway on the journey, one daughter-in-law goes back to Moab, but Ruth continues to press on with Naomi. And this is where we hear that famous speech that I'm sure you, some of you have probably heard in a wedding. It is the most quoted scripture that is cited at a particular wedding. And it's where Naomi and Ruth have a discussion. Naomi encourages Ruth to leave one more time. And Naomi says, look, quit telling me, or Ruth says, look, quit telling me to leave. Where you go, I'm going to go. Where you live, I'm going to live. Your people are going to be my people. And your God, the one true God, is going to be my God. That scripture has nothing to do with the love between a man and a woman. It's actually about the dedication, the love between a mother and her daughter-in-law. And I would even go as far as to say as the love that Naomi or that Ruth had for the one true God. She was stepping out in faith, leaving the only country that she knew, the only family that she knew, and was leaving to go to an area of unknown. It really was a hopeless situation. It's hard for us to imagine in the context of what we're living today, but in in a society where it was very patriarchal and a wife needed the husband to be able to take care of her. And it was always about having that family lineage. Having that family was so very important. Having children to carry on the family lineage was extremely important. And not being able to have children was almost the worst curse that somebody could possibly have. So Ruth, knowing that she was going to be leaving any chance of possibly having a husband again in Moab, left to follow the one true God. And so this is where we pick up in today's story. Desperate, not knowing what to do, they've arrived at Bethlehem. So Ruth decides to do the next best thing. The next thing, the only thing that she knows how to do. She knows that she needs to take care of her mother, her mother-in-law, Naomi. She needs food to be able to eat. So what does she do? She goes to work. So follow with me in your message notes. We're going to read our first passage, which comes from Ruth. Two chapters three through twelve. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you. The harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, Who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? When the foreman replied, She is a young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She had been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes of rest in the shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us. When you gather grain, don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young woman working in my field. See which part of the field 
they are harvesting, and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly, and when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet, thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked. I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied. But I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and your mother and your own land to live among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wing you have come to refuge, reward you fully for what you've done. A couple of things that are important about this passage. If you go back up to the very beginning, I want to point out to you, when Ruth went to gather grain behind the harvesters, it reads, as and as it happened. This phrase is something that causes the author to alert his readers of what's about to happen. If we translate it back to the Hebrew original text, we would come to find out that it means that Ruth's chance chanced. It's like saying the same thing twice. It just so happened, but really it didn't. God's hand was orchestrated in it. When Ruth was doing just the mundane, picking grain, God met her there. And how many times have you all been possibly doing the mundane and maybe we've missed what God is doing? I've been able to see this in my own life. Um, Back in October of 2021, so just a couple years ago, right after we were coming out of the pandemic, it was time for me to renew my mom's handicap placard. Some of you know that I help to care for my mom. She has Alzheimer's, and we really appreciate using her handicap placard when we are taking her places to the store to doctor's appointments. We call it rock star parking. And her placard was expired. And I have a tendency at times when I don't want to do something to procrastinate a little bit. And I just knew that it wasn't going to be an easy process. In order to renew it, I needed to get information from her doctor. Then I needed to take it to the secretary of state And so basically, when time was running out and her handicap placard had expired, I thought, I need to get online and make an appointment. So it was a, I think maybe Friday morning. I went online because that's when we had to start scheduling appointment times. And so I pulled online thinking, I'm not going to be able to get something for a couple of weeks because there was a time where you'd had to book weeks, sometimes even months out, there happened to be an appointment for an hour away, an hour ahead. You know what I mean? So I thought, okay, I'm just going to book it. Lord help. I remember saying that. Lord help. Because I thought, how in the world am I going to get my mom ready in an hour? And then I had to look to see the paperwork that I had to bring. So I go upstairs to the lockbox where I keep all of my mom's important papers, thinking it's going to take me a few minutes to find it. I open up the lockbox. It's the first folder that I look at. And not only is it the first folder, the documents are right on top. It never happens. I take the document 
I call my mom and say, you've got to hurry up and get dressed. We have an appointment at the Secretary of State to get your handicap placard done. You need to be ready. So I get myself ready. I drive over to my mom's house thinking it's going to be a little more time to help get her clothes on, shoes on. I walk in the door and she is fully dressed, waiting for me to go. And I'm looking at one of my friend, Amy, who helps to be a caregiver for her. And we know that never happens. She was ready. So we head to the Secretary of State with about five minutes to spare. We get there. We pull in. I'm fully thinking, okay, hopefully I have all of my paperwork. But, you know, there are times when you get there, you think you have everything, and they tell you, oh, you're missing one paper. We get to the counter. We have everything that we need. We are out of there in less than five minutes. Amen. Yes, that never happens at the Secretary of of the State. And I have never experienced anything like that at the Secretary of State since then. But God was working in the mundane, in doing the next thing that we need to know or supposed to do. And so how many times are we passing up an opportunity to see where God is working in the mundane, where we might be making sandwiches at Chick-fil-A, where we might be Um, changing a dirty diaper, when maybe the Lord has called you to leave your corporate job and to spend time and to care for your children at home, when you are answering a phone call, when you are on the computer day in and day out processing the things that you process at work. I want to encourage you to have your spiritual eyes and ears open to see how the Lord is orchestrating your steps and he is with you in the mundane, just like he was with Ruth. God is also with us when we are feeling overlooked. Has there ever been a time when maybe you feel insignificant or that you don't matter? Well, Ruth mattered to God, and you matter to God as well. We can see this in the Old Testament because there were so many laws in the Old Testament that God put in place to care for his people. Now, some of them might seem weird to us today because we live in a totally different culture. But one of those laws that God put in place that helped to protect the overlooked was this idea of what's called a family redeemer or a kinsman redeemer following what's called the leveret marriage law. That's where if a widow passed away or her husband passed away and did not have any children, the law then required that that husband who passed away, the brother or any living relative would then marry that widow to produce a child to then carry on the family lineage. I know that sounds weird. I can't even imagine if something were to happen to my husband, if 
I would then need to marry my brother-in-law. Ew. But that's the way that that culture worked. And we can see this in Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 6. It says, if brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears carries on the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out of Israel. So God saw Ruth, this law was put in place, and there was a family redeemer or a kinsman redeemer. And that kinsman redeemer happened to be Boaz. Ruth happened to be in his field picking the grain. We're skipping over a lot of the story that has so much good information in it. So I would encourage you to go back and read that because there's a little bit of drama. Boaz wasn't the only kinsman redeemer. There was another one. But Boaz fought for Ruth, became the kinsman redeemer, and eventually would marry Ruth. When Boaz claims Ruth as his wife, this is where we pick up in the story again, where when people are doing the obedience of what God is calling them to do, God is going to reward them. And I'm not talking necessarily about um, rewarding in the physical. Yes, sometimes God does reward us in the physical when we are faithful and when we are obedient. But more so, God rewards us spiritually with the freedom that we get to experience by being obedient and by being able to be in his presence when we are obedient to his call. And so take a look at Ruth chapter 4, 11 through 12, and we're going to see how this plays out. Then the elders and all the people standing at the gate replied, we are witnesses May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you, referring to Boaz, prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestors Perez and the son of Tamar and Judah." So many things in this particular passage that we could unpack. The first one is that the Lord uses Ruth and this concept of the love right marriage to redeem her and restore her. He has provided a husband to her. But the other thing that's unique about this situation is that Ruth was an outsider. She was a Moabitess. And here we see the townspeople proclaiming that they have accepted her Like Rachel and Leah, she is no longer an outsider. She has become one of God's chosen people because of her faithfulness and because of her obedience. You can see on the family chart when they reference Leah and Rachel that they are the matriarch of the Israelite nation. Through them, the 12 tribes of Judah came about. Another thing that's interesting, too, in this passage is that they are also praying this blessing 
over Boaz, telling Boaz that they want him to be blessed, to become like the descendants of Tamar and Judah. Tamar was also an outsider. She was a foreigner. And I need to keep this message rated G because it's a family message. But if you're interested to see the drama that was associated with Tamar, Genesis 38, God uses unlikely people to fulfill his calling and his mission. Ruth and Boaz had no idea that God was calling them to do the things that they were called to do. They had no idea that their small part of starting out picking grain and marrying an outsider would lead to God's big story. Because through the son that Ruth and Boaz eventually had, you'll see on the family chart, as well as the story that Dean read, that that lineage eventually led to Jesus, the ultimate family redeemer, the ultimate kinsman redeemer. So if God can do that, and somebody starting off by picking grain, what can he do in your life? Pray with me. God, I thank you for the story of Ruth. I thank you for her obedience and her faithfulness and knowing, God, that you are the one true God. God, I thank you for how you work in the mundane. God, would you help us to see your presence when we are doing the next best thing, when we are following in obedience what you're calling us to do. Help us not to take for granted, God, how you are working even when we don't see evidence. We thank you, Jesus, for this story. We thank you that you are our family redeemer. And we ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church in Portage, Michigan. For additional information, check out thebridgeportage.org or stop by and visit us.